Asia Tech Podcast. Voice of the Asian Tech Ecosystem. Welcome to Ashley Talk Supercut number 11. Today we have an exciting new guest, Case Engelin. He has been living in Taiwan, Taipei and all across China and Greater China for the past 20 years. He's always been in product development and for the past 16 years he's been running his own firm. Today we talk about manufacturing, Asia, China and all the exciting developments here in the region. Case, welcome on the show. Thank you very much, uh, Ashley. Very happy uh, to be here. Uh, thanks for the invite. Yes, it's, it's super exciting to have you. You've been in the region for 20 years and uh, you've been running your own firm that is Taitoma, right? Uh, that's helping international companies to basically do product development and manufacturing in Taiwan and in China. So can you tell me a bit more? How did you come up with this idea? I mean, you started when it was still hot, when China was really hot on manufacturing and right now the tables are turned. So can you first share your journey here? Um, yeah, sure. Um, I started out in Taiwan. First, I learned uh, the language, I learned Chinese, and then I started uh, representing a Dutch uh, industrial design firm where basically we, we worked with companies like Polaroid and Gateway to, to make their products uh, look more attractive and with local firms like uh, uh, Acer and uh, MyTech. Um, and yeah, I did that for a couple of years and that worked very well, but um, I always got a bit of an uneasy feeling because we were always the consultant and we were always telling the, the factory bosses, well, this is the design and this is the way it should look. But then they always said, yeah, 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 okay, uh, we'll take it from here. And then the product that finally came out of the pipeline at the end was always, uh, yeah, a bit disappointing. So <laughs> that's, that's really what I wanted to, uh, address setting up my own firm, uh, Tatoma, which stands for uh, time to market. Fantastic. And, um, so you've witnessed this, uh, change of China, you know, being a manufacturing base, because I assume most of the manufacturing that you've done for Polaroid and all those companies was in mainland China or was it in Taiwan? Um, we're still doing uh, both. Uh, there are some complex products that we uh, still make uh, here in Taiwan. But yeah, as you're saying, uh, most of uh, our manufacturing is done in, uh, in Shenzhen. Mm, fantastic. So what is the difference? I mean, for those listeners, because we've got people uh, from across the world and many of them are from Asia, but some of them are not. So what is the difference between manufacturing in Taiwan and in China? Um, well, Taiwan has been at it uh, a little bit longer, uh, and so uh, especially in the beginning, uh, it was m much more developed here. Um, and yeah, over the years, uh, China has really overtaken uh, Taiwan in, in just the, the sheer scale uh, of, of its manufacturing base and uh, its whole ecosystem. Uh, everything, every electronic component imaginable uh, is in China. So yeah. that's why China is such a center over there. Yeah, but um, as far as I know, uh, Taiwan is really famous for semiconductors, right? So it's all about semiconductors. It's all about old school manufacturing. <laughs> and, and if you want something a bit sexier and you go for gadgets, you go for, you know, like AI, I do not know, uh, some sort of, some sort of smart technology, blah, blah. You go to Shenzhen straight away because they, again, they have not only the scale, but they also have very cheap components. They have the whole ecosystem where you can plug in. What do you think about that? Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show. Um, yeah, well, uh, the notebook uh, business, I think, is uh, still for 91% uh, done from Taiwan. And a lot of the, uh, the contract manufacturing, uh, for example, Apple, um, only outsources its uh, production to Taiwanese firms. Uh, Foxconn is the most uh, most well-known one, but there's also Pegatron, and there's quite another uh, few companies that are really big manufacturers, and they all have their 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 plants, their factories in China, but all the R&D, uh, all the product development is still uh, done in Taiwan, and I actually feel that Taiwan is still uh, 
very good place to do uh, product development uh, and then do the manufacturing in China. Mm-hmm. So R&D centers are still in uh, Taiwan. Why, uh, why are there so many uh, Taiwanese firms that are dominating this, uh, you know, OEMs and all other manufacturing um, out of such a small place? How could they, you know, capture China? Why Foxconn is so strong? Is there history behind it? <laughs> um, well, they do have the longest history. And um, one thing is, is that Taiwanese uh, bosses tend to have a, a very long-term view of a relation. And uh, in manufacturing, um, things do go wrong sometimes. And um, uh, then the question is always, how do you deal with that? And, and more importantly, who pays for it? Mm. And uh, I, I do think that, that uh, the Taiwanese firms have always proven themselves reliable partners. And I, I do think that that has been a very important uh, aspect for, for a company like, uh, like, like uh, not only Apple, but also HP and, and uh, lots of other companies to, to pick the Taiwanese uh, contract manufacturers. Do you think it's going to change anytime soon? Because I see how Chinese develop and I don't know what you mean because I lived in China uh, you know, 13, 14 years ago, and uh, uh, things are changing. The new generation, the second generation, third generation entrepreneurs that are coming in and, you know, and just di- distracting and uh, disrupting these industries, and they do manufacturing and they do business very differently. They care about relations, they care about trust, and they're all about this, you know, network and sort of making the pie bigger. So do you see Taiwan losing its uh, competitive advantage more and more? Yeah, uh, it's, it's well possible that that uh, will continue. And for example, in uh, IC manufacturing, uh, there's a lot uh, yeah, that is also flowing uh, towards uh, the Shanghai area now. What is IC manufacturing? Um, making integrated circuits. Uh, uh-huh. Like basically the, the the silicon, that is the core of uh, of all the the microcontrollers, all the the Pentiums. Right, right. So it's going to Shanghai. Um, a lot is going uh, towards uh, China, and yeah, uh, obviously the the Chinese government is is uh, it's throwing a weight uh, around. There, there's a lot of subsidies if you uh, start a new firm, a new electronics firm. In, in, well, anywhere in China, there's all these different provinces that are competing with each other and they, one gives you three year tax holiday, <laughs> gives you five years. Um, if the you next employ one, a PhD, if you employ a PhDs, they pay the salary, you get the office for free for the first couple of years. There, there's a lot of incentives and, and yeah, if you, if you're a businessman, then, uh, a lot of people uh, are going to be swayed by that and, uh, and move their business to uh, to China. Are you one of them? Um, I, I'm, I, I think manufacturing uh, in, in China is, is excellent. But uh, for myself, uh, and I, I recently uh, got a two-year-old baby. <laughs> and, Congratulations. Um, well, thank you. <laughs> it's, it's taken me a bit of time, but there we are. And I'm really happy. And... To, for, for the, the quality of living, I think in Taiwan is, is really excellent. There, there's a lot of nature around here. Um, there, there, there's, there's green mountains looking out of my window. Um, there's hiking in the jungle everywhere with waterfalls. And that's, that's what I really like. And, and there's, yeah, very little air pollution uh, if you compare it to the levels in, uh, in, in Shanghai or Beijing. So, that is something I really value, and in general, people here are very, um, very loyal. They, they they tend to stand, uh, stay in the company a long time, and that is also really important in product development. If you are designing something really complex, mm. and the guy who's doing the the, the firmware or the, the software for that product, and he suddenly leaves. Then you are, then you, 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 you have trouble. a really big, <laughs> yeah, you have a really big problem. 
Yeah, I read I, I read your article on LinkedIn. Or it was a post where you said that uh, in China, yeah, for a 3% increase, people may uh, run and, you know, join a competitor. And uh, it's basically a less loyal, um, you know, the whole, the whole workflow is a, a lot more disrupted because there's people are less loyal. But in Taiwan, people tend to stay with you and grow with you and sort of, you know, and bet for for that, uh, you know, trust and relationship and uh, long-term view, which is very, very interesting, yeah? Yeah, and also, uh, not only for uh, the Taiwanese engineers, it's also, I, I had an engineer uh, from from Shanghai, and he said, uh, yeah, uh, I know the salaries here in Shanghai are, are excellent, but uh, I really want to move to Taiwan because of uh, quality of living. So for, for, for us, we, we have, uh, quite an international, uh, um, group of engineers. We have people from Iran. Our CTO is from, uh, Colombia, uh, South Africa. Um, I'm from Holland. Uh, so basically it, United Nations came together. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I, I do like to have a very diverse set of people because every, I think every country brings its own perspective they all come from different universities so they all have a different way of looking at things i i think that's very helpful uh when you're working in a team uh, environment absolutely and it's interesting how you touched the salary uh so is taiwan worse paid than mainland china in the manufacturing world no, uh, if, if you are working on an assembly line, then, then, uh, you're, you're probably gonna earn a bit more in Taiwan. So the, the, the assembly salaries uh, here are higher. But, uh, right now in, in places like Shanghai and Shenzhen, the, 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 the competition for, for really good talent is, mm. is so fierce mm. that mm. Uh, salaries there can um, salaries for uh, AI people uh, yeah. in, in in Shanghai can be higher now than in uh, in California. So how much they, is it? We are all interested. How much do they pay the AI people? I think a lot of a lot oh, of our listeners right. might want to swing into that direction after hearing. I'm I'm. I'm uh, a good uh, electronic engineer in in California makes about a uh, hundred thousand US a year. Uh-huh. Um, in AI, uh, I think it's going to be one hundred fifty, two hundred k or so. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's just a limited group of people that are good, and mm-hmm. yeah, that uh, does. And China can beat that, right? Sure, they, the, the the money in China is is everywhere. So, <laughs> mm, mm. how did that happen in your view? How did the money get out there and uh, became so widely available? Really large quantities. I think uh, that that does help. Um, and uh, um, everybody's I, very positive, right? In the, I mean, what what strikes me? I've been to Taiwan multiple times, and it's a very cozy and comfortable place, and everybody's you know doing their thing. But in China, when you come in, it's just so much energy. Everybody is so positive that the market is gonna bull, that you know that that the future yeah. is gonna be so much brighter than present. Everybody's just working so hard, putting in the hours, putting in their energy, putting in. Just, just everything they got, and and this is uh, this is a fantastic place to be at. But talking about again manufacturing and product development, and actually making a physical physical uh, you know product possible. Um, what are some of the uh, pitfalls? What are some of the uh, you know dangers that people usually face nowadays? Because we all heard the stories what was happening twenty years ago, and how it's difficult to choose a firm. And you know, and uh, and the quality, blah blah blah. So, what are the problems right now that modern firms face? Well, um, when I was starting with uh, Tatoma, uh, I, I had worked already with quite a few uh, Taiwanese and Chinese factories, and I thought, well, hey, if you, if you want to make another another uh, toaster, um, you why not work with a, a factory that is already making toasters because. They know all the best components. They know all the problems you can have with uh, making toasters. Mm. Uh, they have uh, known the kind of issues you get with, with warranty. Uh, and they know everything. And they have the largest scale. 
So they have economies of scale both in production and in component uh, buying. Uh, yeah, just work with them and then you're going to have the best uh, offer in the market. Mm-hmm. So that was basically in, in, in the early years of uh, Tertoma was the way we were working. Uh, um, uh, for example, French client, they need a new uh, piece of digital signage. We would design a very nice uh, outside design around it, but we would work with uh, a factory already making mm-hmm. these devices. Yeah. And, and, and it worked, but it, it always took a very long time. <laughs> but why? Um, um, the, the problem is that, that factories, um, they, 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 they have one main, uh, one main goal in life, and that is to keep their manufacturing lines running. That's, that's how yeah. they make their money. And they do not have that many engineers. They, they, they don't have, uh, um, because they just want to support, uh, the manufacturing lines. And so mm-hmm. whenever there is, uh, a client that is already manufacturing products that has the slightest issue, all the manufacturing engineers are, are going to be put on, on solving that issue so that, uh, the line of, uh, 100,000 products a month is not going to stop. Mm-hmm. And so if you are a new company working on a new product with, which always has a lot of issues to be worked out, um, they have their little whiteboard with, with their priorities. Mm. And, and, and you're going to be at the very bottom of that whiteboard. <laughs> and, and that means you just have to be very patient. And, and at the end, uh, we just got enough and we, we, we said we're, we're going to do it ourselves and we're going <laughs> to do it. Uh huh. So, um, and another issue is that if you, um, if you work with, uh, a company making, uh, say, tablets or a company making, uh, RFID devices or whatever, um, you, you code them and, and they already have a design that is, uh, 90% there and you then work with them. Yeah. Well, what I've known because I've been talking with my clients in, in Norway and in, uh, Lettland for, 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 for 15 years. And my clients, they really need this, this, this and that. And uh, we need to, uh, the user interface. So you have a lot of input that is very important. Mm. And then you work together with that factory to, to get all that input in. And that is going to take, I don't know, uh, if you're very lucky, uh, four months. If you're a bit less lucky, uh, six, nine, twelve months. Oh my goodness! And and then because, like I said, it's it's you're you're not the top priority. Um, mm. And uh, so, but you put in all that energy, and uh, your your engineers uh, tell them how to do it. And but once you you get into an argument with the factory, because perhaps suddenly their price goes up or something. Um, you don't own the design because basically it's, it's, they're saying, Hey, we were already making RFID readers mm-hmm. and, uh, all we did is, is, uh, adapted a little bit for you. So, uh, we cannot give you our design. That's our design. Mm. So, um, you, as, as a client working with such an ODM factory, Unless you really negotiate it out very well, in general, you don't own anything. And if you then want to take your product to another factory, you have to uh, buy out. Uh, oh, mm. not even buy out, because the factory is going to say, "Hey, we we worked for five years on developing this this firmware, and we're not." gonna give it to you uh that is secret and and nobody uh can give that and so you you just have to recreate all that and the tooling what what is made to make the the, the plastic housings mm-hmm. often the client will pay for those and then uh, with a bit of uh wrangling you are allowed to to take your in- injection molds with you to the next factory so you have the housing but put all the electronics inside you 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 have, you have no idea, right? Uh, mm. Uh. Mm. And it's it's also it stays a black box because um, that that was one of the other frustrations we had. That uh, um, yeah, we would have uh, 
I thought, hey, we're, we're in Taiwan, we're, we're in China all the time, we have regular meetings with these people, and then uh, we, we keep the pace. But we would have a meeting and, and every week, and yeah, how's it going? Yeah, yeah, well, we, we still have a problem with the firmware. That is the, the, the <laughs> software that goes into uh, embedded products. And, and the next week it would be the same thing. Oh, oh, uh, what is the problem? Yeah, uh, something with uh, the LCD screen driver. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and, and what is the problem? Yeah, I cannot tell you. And so we, we had smart engineers and our client had smart engineers, but we, we never got any access to that firmware. What was wrong? What was really wrong? Mm. So we, we, we could not help. So we, we just had to wait until... Uh, the factory guys figured it out, and and yeah, firmware is not always their 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 strongest point. So that was one of the the, the most difficult issues often. Mm. So what is the difference for those that don't know between obviously hardware, software, and now you're saying firmware? Is it something different? Yeah, software is um, what you run on a on a PC, mm-hmm. and 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 it's standard everywhere. But if you're making a device that uh, an RFID reader or um, a refrigerator um, to make the refrigerator run okay you 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 don't need a full uh, Pentium IC right you don't even need a tablet IC you you can use something much more basic and mm-hmm. um, those uh, more restricted ICs um, they have their own way of programming it and uh, so basically every uh, embedded microcontroller mm-hmm. almost has its own language mm. so you, you you really need to study on designing uh, the firmware which is the software that goes into microcontrollers for uh, ST micro or for PIC or for NXP or for Arduino. Mm, mm. Uh, it's different for every uh, controller. Beautiful. Okay, so now now we know softwares, hardwares, and firmwares, what they are. Um, talking about uh, manufacturing in Shenzhen, and you mentioned Shenzhen and Shanghai several times, um, Shenzhen has a famous electronic market, right? And uh, people from across the world are going there to not only you know buy cheap electronics, but also to buy it, to break it apart, to take out the cheap parts, and then you know uh, bust something out themselves, uh, create prototypes very very fast, leverage the three D printing technology, etc. Uh, how fast can people manufacture electronic devices in places like Shenzhen? Um, I do think that it's 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 a lot faster there. Um, not necessarily through the the electronic market because that market to to I mean you 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 can throw together some sort of a proof of concept, a, mm-hmm. a working prototype that you sort of with a lot of duct tape uh, put together and then you you put a nice looking housing around it. <sighs> but but if you if you want to make something that is reliable, you you really need to design it yourself. And the big advantage that uh, Shenzhen has there is the whole ecosystem of suppliers from 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 uh, LCD screens, from little sensors, from uh, wireless modules, from uh, cable trees. Everything is there, and uh, it, there's so much competition that uh, the pricing is very aggressive. Mm. Uh, lead, lead times uh, are often a lot better, and uh, it's it's really a supply chain that that is unparalleled anywhere in the world. Absolutely. And that is also the reason that that uh, like like if you were to say. Um, well, Apple should really manufacture in in the U.S. It's 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 just not practical anymore because there is no LCD supplier in the U.S. anymore. Mm, mm. And yeah. so, if 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 for example, Foxconn now is gonna be put under pressure to open a factory in China, um, the only thing that that will mean is that uh, Foxconn they 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 still need to build. Uh, the iPhones, right? And and there's all these highly sensitive uh, little components that go in there. Um, you need to 
combine all that and then do some very rigorous testing to make sure that everything works. Mm. And if a certain component does not work, well, then you send that batch back to the factory. And then it's in gen, you get it back the next day or three days later. Um, but if you do that assembly in the US, then, uh, and, and for example, uh, in the beginning, there would be something wrong with an LCD panel. The, the, mm. the, the cable would be on the wrong side or so. Mm. Then, then you would have to send 30,000 LCD panels back to Shenzhen. <laughs> and uh, that would take a long time. And then they would have to make 30,000 new ones. And then they would have to ship them uh, back. And that would probably go by, uh, by container, which takes three weeks. Or you have to fly it, which is really expensive. Um, and, and that is just one component. There, there, there's lots of different components that go How into How many an components are there in an iPhone? Um, 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 I, I, I have not really counted yet. <laughs> but it must be uh, hundreds, right? Um, uh, there's a lot of little brackets and, and little um, uh, um, flex, flex, flexible PCBs and... There, there, there's quite a, there's not hundreds, uh, but I, I think there would be like, like 30, 40 custom made parts in an okay. iPhone. Okay. Still a lot. And, Still a lot. Definitely. <laughs> and, and so what you would do if you need to manufacture it in, 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 uh, in New York or wherever, um, you would just do the whole manufacturing in Shenzhen or in, uh, around Shanghai. You would then break it apart, break it into two again, and then mm. you would send those two parts to New York where they would screw them <laughs> together again. And, and hey, it looks made in the USA and it sounds beautiful, but it's, it's, it's just a screwdriver factory. Yeah. Nothing real happens there. And there are a lot of companies around the world doing exactly that, right? To put a beautiful made in Australia, made in the US... Uh, uh, fine on. Even yeah. in Hong Kong, I hear that Hong Kong also has those. You can basically buy, I do not know, beans, uh, coffee beans from Africa, and you can fry them in Hong Kong and package them in Hong Kong and send them to China as uh, like Hong Kong made in Hong Kong coffee beans or something like that. Super crazy and funny, right? Yeah, there's even because of tax regulations of and all that. What I hear is there, there's a lot of um, uh, trucks with, with electronic products that uh, enter Hong Kong and mm -hmm. then they, they, uh, they, they make a little circle and they drive straight back to China again. But then the product <laughs> has, has been in Hong Kong, so it's now imported into China and then it's, uh, yeah. The, 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 so the how are they benefiting from that? It's, it's been imported into China, so they have lower tax or? Yeah, um, if, you, if you assemble within China, you need to have... Uh, a very good administration of all uh, of all the different uh, components that you buy, and you need to pay uh, value-added tax on every component, and and everything needs to be completely organized. And so, uh, what what I, I that has something to do with it. I I, I don't quite understand it yet, but. Uh, if but it works then, somehow. It, it works. Yeah. It, somehow it, business there, people there, make it work. <laughs> there's lots of um, uh, factories doing uh, lots of trucks uh, driving in and out of China each day uh, in that fashion. Oh, we notice that. We see that a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> believe it or not. Um, another question is, uh, over the past, let's say, five years, I see more and more factories, as you said, the traditional OEMs, etc. Actually... Um, starting to manufacture their own brands and marketing their own brands because they are usually on the lower uh, profit side of things, right? And their uh, job, as you said, is to keep factories running. But finally, they're realizing that all the money is out there with the marketing, with the end consumer, and they are trying their first baby steps into the, you know, self-branding and uh, uh, selling directly to consumers B2C. Do you see a lot of those and who's been some uh, successful um, uh, example, if you know any? Um, or maybe unsuccessful examples? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think um, 
the most well-known uh, example is uh, Huawei. That uh, they used to be an OEM for Cisco, mm-hmm. and they learned how to make uh, routers and other equipment uh, from Cisco, obviously, mm-hmm. um, until they completely mastered the process and. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, uh, and, and, uh, start selling it themselves. And, and that, that is perhaps, uh, uh, why, uh, companies like, like, uh, Foxconn and Pegatron and Compel from Taiwan, they have made a conscious decision not to go compete with their clients and, and not do any of their own branding. And, and I do think that that gives their clients, uh, uh, more confidence. Additional confidence and selling yeah. point, right? Mm. Yeah. But uh, what you see uh, most in, in terms of uh, uh, Chinese companies uh, selling directly to consumers via Amazon, um, mm. you, you really see, uh, for example, we, we uh, made a connected, connected dog feeder with built-in webcam and mm-hmm. uh, we sold that via Amazon or my client did. And right now there, there are some factories uh, in China that make a similar product and then suddenly there are like 10 or 15 sellers on Amazon that each sell a little different version of that exactly the same product um, <laughs> and and they they all do the marketing and they all do the the branding they put a different name on it <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. so that is, um, it's, it's, it's a huge market selling via Amazon. It's really big. Um, and, uh, there is a, uh, there's a website called Jungle Scout that will teach you, uh, on how to, um, develop your own product in, uh, in, and, and buy it in China and how to sell on Amazon and how to pick the right category. But it's, it's, it's a very, um, uh, it's it's a very aggressive market where where new competitors come up uh, really quickly and that is uh, I think where a, a lot of the Chinese factories are uh, going towards. Yeah, perfect. And you just uh, touched on two points. One is copycats, and the other one is competition. So let's talk about copying first. Um, a lot of people are still convinced that China is a nation of copycats and that every ODM or any, basically any partner and every partner that you work with is potentially going to stab you in the back, take the product and sell it by himself or employee that you have is going to open his own startup and going to fly with it. What is your take on that? Is it really that bad? Has it become better? And uh, how is the future looking? Um, well, there's a lot of measures you can take to 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 prevent it from happening and and yeah i've been in business for for like 20 years and i myself have never had a problem but but i i had a taiwanese client who made a a red telephone 20 years ago and he said uh, yeah there are 16 different copies of my red telephone on the market (laughs) in china and there's also stories from people who put uh, their their wonderful idea on kickstarter and before the campaign has even finished, um, somebody from China is already selling that exact same product. Oh, so, <laughs> so the speed is everything, right? The speed is everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, it is. It is something to be uh, to be careful about and to be conscious about. You you need to take some measures. Um, in the more, if your product is very simple, then yeah, and you show it on Kickstarter, then then it can be copied really easily. And a guy who already has a factory in China, he's going to be a lot faster to implement it than if you're from from uh, from from Oklahoma and you're first have to find the factory and then discuss with them and then negotiate and and then have discussions on how to improve for manufacturing. Uh, they're gonna out uh, outspeed you uh, certainly, um, but for more complex products like like yeah the the, the embedded products that we do, um, there's this this software firmware. There are apps to be developed. There's user interfaces. Uh, that is not as easy to copy. And mm. 
the other thing is you also should not get over paranoid because um, as soon as a product is on the market, anybody uh, can send it to Shenzhen and say, hey, go and copy this. Of course, right? of course, yeah. So if you say, hey, I'm, I'm going to protect myself and I'm going to uh, manufacture everything in, in California, um, but as soon as you're on a trade show, uh, there, there will be people with cameras there. and, and <laughs> There's if, no if, escape, if, right? <laughs> if, if it's really that good a product, then, then yeah. Uh, so you will have an advantage of, of being the first. year, perhaps. Mm. But... Um, um if you uh, if your product is not uh um sorry i'm losing my drift uh, a little bit here but if the if you are selling in california then your unit cost is going to be quite higher uh and actually that will mean that there's going to be people on the trade show and it's going to say you sell it for what hey mm. um i know a factory Shenzhen that can make it for da da da. Mm. So the very fact that you have done the whole development and manufacturing in the US uh, necessarily puts you at such a premium price that you you invite more competition. Right. And and so in in electronics, yeah, it, it's it's pretty well known that the, the the most competitive market to produce is is China. And yeah, you better uh, join them and, and manufacture there, uh, or or you're just gonna lose out to somebody. Uh, yeah, who does? Absolutely. And you said that you were very lucky not to ever have any problems with copycats. How did that happen? You've been in China for twenty years. I'm shocked. How did you do that? What are some wisdoms that you can share with all of us? Um. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, the firmware, that is that, that software that goes into uh, the microprocessors, that is really the key. And uh, there you can, um, you can uh, flash in, you can load that firmware into the devices uh, after they have been manufactured. For example, we worked with a client and uh, when the, the products were assembled in the factory, they only had a test program on it, and the real program was put on uh, only uh, when they were installed at the client side. So that is a pretty good protection. You can uh, divide up your product in, in different parts. One, one guy does this module, one guy does that module. That's what Apple does, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, the final assembly is really done uh, by, by, by one main contract manufacturer mm -hmm. um, but they they use they use modules from from all over the world from right. they use parts from Samsung for example which is quite interesting <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, so the, the different modules uh, yeah they need to be integrated in that final uh, factory so that is still where everything comes together but if that factory for example, never knows what, what it's actually doing this product of yours and they don't get access to an app that is connected to it. Mm. Um, there, there's a lot of ways you can protect yourself. Perfect. And would you encourage people to go to platforms like Kickstarter? Uh, with, uh, you know, with any and every idea in order to raise money to test the, you know, the market and, um, um, you know, and then basically move ahead with it? Or would you say that it's not for everyone, it's only for a certain, um, you know, certain products that you would recommend going to such platforms? Um, there are actually uh, um, uh, established companies that use it purely as a marketing uh, platform and you, you can get a lot of uh, yeah exposure with Kickstarter. But uh, yeah, the, 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 the flip side is really that uh, if you are afraid of being imitated, uh, then that is, uh, uh, that is a big risk. So if your product is too easily copied, Mm -hmm. then I myself, I really uh, would not do it there. Or at the very least, make sure that you have everything absolutely ready. You have containers with product ready to do shit. Yeah. 
Um, but if you have more complex products, um, complex products take more money to develop. And so, yeah, uh, if you're not able to find other financing yet, uh, Kickstarter uh, may be a very good way to find financing and also mm. to to show to your um, in potential investors that, hey, we, we have lots of people who want this product who and want are it, yeah. proving it. They're proving that they're willing to pay for it. That is also a very important part of uh, consumer validation. And the best thing that you can do then is is use that campaign to go to a couple of investors. Hey, look, um, this many people were able to uh, really like it and they, they are paying for it. Now we need uh, another uh, $500,000 mm, mm. to really uh, manufacture it uh, in large quantities. Yeah, fantastic. And in terms of manufacturing uh, process itself, there's new technology being developed all the time and such uh, things as 3D printing and, uh, you know, fully automated um, uh, manufacturing facilities. What are you most excited about looking at this whole vibrant industry? What is the technology that gives you chills and excitement right now? <laughs> um well, uh, fully automated assembly, um, there, there is something to be said for robots, of course. The, the, the advantage of a robot is that he does everything exactly the same way as the last time. So you mm. have a really stable result. Consistent, and, yeah. And mm -hmm. consistent. And so if, if there's something a little bit wrong, then you dial it in a little bit and, and you really have a predictable result. But, uh, for example, uh, Elon Musk has a uh, completely uh, robotized uh, factory in California mm -hmm. that has uh, a lot of problems now. Uh, he, he's running way behind on schedule and uh, the, uh, he's running into a lot of problems with these robots. And it's, it's still not so easy to do uh, complete manufacturing all with robots because uh, problems do happen. And especially in the beginning, when you're doing your first couple of runs of, of, of uh, a product, your pilot runs, there are lots of little issues that, that can go wrong. And, and Murphy's Law says everything that can <laughs> go wrong will go wrong. And, and developing products, uh, manufacturing products, a lot of things will go wrong and, and they do go wrong. And you need people who can who can in, anticipate on that and who can react to that and and robots are not good at that at all yet so we're uh, <laughs> yes 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 that is true and so with ai and and all that in in perhaps in five years time um they may really be there um for the really long uh production runs but what what we do for our clients is more production runs of, of like uh, 5,000 units or so. And mm. some products, uh, I have, we, we do some very high-end controllers for UV curing. And they only need uh, 400 units per batch because mm. these are really expensive units. And they, they, are, they only need a couple per year uh, or a couple of hundred per year. So for those kind of products, it really doesn't make sense to do automation. What you, what you could do is, is um, there's now something called cobots, which are mm. uh, robots cooperating with, uh, with humans. And I, I, I think that is probably, um, for the time being, um, we're, we're not quite there yet. So for the time being, I, I see uh, good prospects there. So it's called Cobots. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's a name somebody. Fantastic. Uh, fantastic. I, I haven't heard about Cobots, but I, I knew that there are, you know, uh, robots collaborating with humans, but now there is a coined term, guys. Cobots. Yeah. We learned something very, very valuable today on that front as well. Beautiful. And, uh, Case, I wanted to ask you about another. Uh, interesting development here in the region. We see more and more manufacturing migrating away from mainland China into the rest of Southeast Asia and also into the rest of the world, places like Africa. Um, what is your take on that? Where do you think 
this migration uh, is going to take uh, the world and China and uh, the future of uh, manufacturing? Um, I, I think that's that's a very good trend. Um, right, right after the Second World War, uh, Japan was known for uh, shitty plastic little toys, mm-hmm. and 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 they build up their industrial capacity and they started uh shipping cars and they were complete shite and and then they improved and they came back next year and it was still nothing and then they came back next year and they improved and they got up the curve until about 20 years ago they 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 had caught up with with the global quality level right and and then they started plateauing they did not grow anymore and after Japan, I think you, you, you got, uh, countries like Taiwan and Korea and Singapore. And yeah, I have to admit it. The, the growth of manufacturing in Taiwan is, it's, it's not as, as big as it used to be. So they are also uh, slowing down the growth. Right. And even China now, uh, they, they have reached a level where, um, Six or eight hundred million people have been lifted out of poverty, and they are now making decent wages. And so, yeah, they 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 get a bit more expensive, and and uh, but that's 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 a good development. And they are upgrading their portfolio, right? They are upgrading their profile of what kind of industries are they manufacturing for, like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Government is paying a lot of attention. Uh, my husband is working for a. For a chemical uh, chemical manufacturer, and it's really really uh, tough now because of all the regulations, right? So they they want cleaner, better, uh, higher paid technology um, and um, facilities now. Mm-hmm. So what's the future hold? Um, well, like you were saying, uh, the, the the wages are going up in China, and if you need a lot of uh, labor in your products. If you're only making T-shirts or uh, shoes, then then Vietnam or or Indonesia or or, or Uganda, uh, mm-hmm. maybe uh, the places to go. But indeed, uh, China is uh, is 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 raising its game, and I think it's a very good thing that they are trying to uh, reduce the uh, the pollution. Uh, that is, uh, I, I I think it's really good. And it was really needed uh, if you look <laughs> at the pollution levels in uh, in certain cities, and and yeah, that is tough. Uh, I also hear from uh, friends that that a lot of their their uh, suppliers um, suddenly they they now do have to meet uh, certain environmental standards, and right. they can't, and and right. so they 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 are closed or. Um, Factories are being pushed outside of the uh, the metropolitan areas of Shanghai and Shenzhen. Absolutely. So the, 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 they are pushed out and then go to Inner Mongolia or to Hefei or whatever, and which is good for the cities. It's it's it's. I mean, for for the the, the companies involved, it's it's a bit of a painful transition, but but it's uh, it's it's a very good transition. Yeah, absolutely. And a fun fact that I just came to realize about a year ago about Hong Kong. Half of the Hong Kong taxi drivers are actually the ex-owners uh, of small factories uh, in Guangdong. And <laughs> if you speak with them, I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding you, Case. Seriously, every, every third or fourth driver that I'm speaking with and I ask him uh, what, uh, what did he do, you know, 20 years ago, they all say they had a factory in China. And, uh, you know, for 20 years, the factory ran really well and they made a lot of money and all of their kids, you know, studied in the U.S. and the U.K. and they had a beautiful house here and there. And then either of two things happened. Number one, that industry just completely shut down. For example, last week I spoke with that uh, taxi driver who uh-huh. had the, um, uh, you know, the um, tapes manufacturing facility so he was making those tapes you know oh, the cassette tapes cassette yeah. tapes exactly and then the whole the whole thing basically went down yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, he yeah. was not doing the whole thing but he was working on some specific part for for that cassette he made and, the tape for the cassette tape yeah he may have potentially he made the tape for the cassette tape and apparently he worked a lot with japan and that was great business and then, uh, yeah, that, that was it. it. It died from one year to the next and it was completely gone. 
And so many other people, the second scenario is China government comes in and says, okay, guys, so you had, I don't know, seven years tax break. So right now the tax break is taken and here is the tax. And it just bankrupts them because they are running on such thin margins. Uh And uh, or they have like, uh, as you said, a facility that needs to be, um, let's say, needs to be um, uh, revamped and certain environmental uh, standards need to be capped. And in order to keep them, they need to pay a lot of money. So basically, they got out of many of those people got out of that business, losing everything they had to pay either taxes or to pay for environmental, um, you know, um, uh, fixed uh, fixes. Um, it, it is really, really fascinating. So half of Hong Kong taxi drivers used to be oh on that boat in Guangzhou and they benefited immensely. But right now they are uh, in that, I would say, middle class or, you know, in this middle class trap where they're sitting here in Hong Kong and really having tough life and luck uh, being, you know, way over 60 and trying to make a living by uh, driving a cab. So yeah, that's that's a bit of a fun fun fact from where I am, and uh, it's fascinating. Yeah, that 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 is the thing about China that is is it's a little bit scary to me that the regulations are <laughs> um, they are often rather um, fluid. It's not really known if it's you just try it out. If it's not but, prohibited, it's allowed unless yeah, yeah, it becomes yeah. prohibited, and then it's no longer allowed. <laughs> But so, that's uh, that's why they are able to move at such speed, right? Do you agree or not? Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, if if you're smart, then you you probably should be in in three or four different businesses at the same time, because there is such immense risk that everything that you've built up is mm. is suddenly taken away from you. That that is one of the, the scary things of uh, of owning your own uh, factory in, in in China. And for example, I. I I heard a story about a guy who had um, the, 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 they were opening up uh, a direct uh, a railroad from Beijing to uh, to Tibet, yeah. and there was a, was a foreigner who had uh, outfitted a complete train wagon with a bar and 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 uh, very nicely this and that, and then um, it had to be inspected by the government, and uh, the guy said, "Yeah, yeah, I'm very sorry, I have." Uh, bad news for you uh, it did not pass the inspection but I also have good news um, a nephew of mine is willing to buy it for you from for a third of the price <laughs> that 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 is a bit uh, the tricky bit uh, of of that kind of an environment absolutely but I also see that it's getting a lot better I've seen uh, all the bribing and all these all those things on the government le- level getting so much better since Xi Jinping uh, obviously implemented uh, huge measures. And uh, it's really moving into the right direction because China, uh, Chinese government, whatever it is, uh, is very, very smart and they are doing the right thing for their country, for their, you know, for where the, the country is heading long term. Right. And they understand that corruption and all those problems had to be killed and had to be weeded out. That's what they did quite successfully. Actually, speaking from uh, from, you know, the government perspective, I know so many people working in all facets uh, of uh, of business. And they're saying working with Chinese government is one of the most rewarding experiences, because in the rest oh. of the world, you need to educate the government on what needs to be done and how, et cetera, et cetera. But in China, you come and they run as business units. As you said, one province, one city is competing against the next. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and they give you and they give you benefits and they're there to support you and you know you are their KPI and you are helping them achieve the goal and you know they feel that you are in the same boat so for from what i hear especially in younger industries that are again technology is very hot right now um uh, it's just so much so much help that you're getting from the government and slowly and gradually it's moving into the more traditional um you know traditional industries i feel so um, I'm quite optimistic about that. We, we, we can't fully deny that, you know, it's not there. Let's uh, look the other way. But it's getting a lot better, right? Yeah. Um, the economist uh, wrote that uh, it's, it's like uh, China is, is uh, ruled by uh, some guys from uh, McKinsey. They, they do yes. everything right. 
<laughs> and, and, and I they, totally, they really totally have, agree. Everything they, really they have do. Long-term, uh, yeah. Long-term views, like uh, the 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 highway from uh, from Hong Kong to Guangzhou, uh, when that was just built, it was completely empty and and. Right. Uh, and now it's completely blocked up. <laughs> yes, and of course, everything in China is like five, ten years from now. They they look at the big picture, and that's yeah. the beauty of it. And they can orchestrate it so well together, you know, bring it together and make it a reality. All of their goals are smart goals, right? They are specific, they're measurable, they're actionable, and this is beautiful. That's we see that so rarely in the world. <laughs> No, and if you if you look in in, in China or in uh, the the electronic payments, for example, uh, are are everywhere. You don't you don't need uh, a wallet in China anymore, because it's it's everywhere. And the government also uh, stimulates that by 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 just declaring this or that. And if you compare that with uh, with India, for example, uh, that is a democracy. There you have all the problems with democracy that it, it, it takes a lot of debating and a lot of different opinions and, and therefore it takes a lot of time. And there's also a lot of corruption, much more than in China, I uh, hear, yes, at yes, many, yes, many yes, levels, too, too. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, that's absolutely beautiful. Case, the last question would be, actually, I've got two more questions. If you would um, recommend uh, our listeners to read one of the books or uh, to watch a specific movie that completely transformed your life or gave you, uh, you know, a critical insight into, you know, China, the world, uh, manufacturing or anything else, what would that be? Um, wow, that's um, um, on, on, on product development, which is my thing, uh, Phil Baker, uh, he wrote a book on uh, from uh, concept to consumer and mm-hmm. um, yeah I think that that gives you uh, a good overview on on how to get uh, what is the name of the book again um, I'll look it up to you to be completely right it's uh, Phil Baker is the author Phil Baker okay so yeah. Phil Baker's book about product design yeah. and the last question would be uh, Case, tell us about your business. So what does Taitoma actually do? Who do you help? Uh, how exactly are you making life of your clients uh, easier and better? Um, we help uh, companies that uh, need hardware to, to enable their business, but uh, who really want to focus on, on everything else that they need to do, help their clients expand their business. And for example, we, we often work for companies that sell uh, glue, for example, and they need mm. a device to, to harden the glue, but they don't want to spend the whole day uh, designing and engineering and prototyping and certifying and manufacturing and troubleshoot all these devices. Or another company that uh, sells software and when they sell a software package, it's for $500,000. And the hardware mm-hmm. component of that is only uh, $80,000 or so. So they they want it to be really reliable, but they don't want to spend all their time on, on a product that is such a small part of their whole business. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we just take care of everything. We, we take it from, uh, from napkin sketch uh, all the way to uh, shipping out the containers uh, for the product. And, uh, yeah, uh, we, 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 f- we make, uh, for scuba diving, we make dive planners. We make, uh, connected dog feeders with webcam. We make, uh, UV curing devices. We make, uh, it's, it's, it's a big range of, uh, different products. That sounds fantastic. And how can people best contact you if they want to get in touch and inquire about those services and w- what you're doing exactly? Titoma.com will work. Titoma stands for Time to Market, so T-I-T-O-M-A. You'll find us there. Fantastic. And don't forget to follow Case on his LinkedIn. He currently has more than 50,000 followers on LinkedIn that read his blog and his posts about manufacturing and, uh, you know, the future of it and China and Taiwan and many, 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 many things. I'm connected with uh, Case on LinkedIn and am uh, checking out his posts quite frequently. 
Thank you very much. Uh, Thank you very much, Case, for being with us on the show. It was a great, great pleasure. Thank you so much, uh, Ashley. It's uh, you are doing a really super job on always being on LinkedIn. I see you every day <laughs> on LinkedIn. So uh, yeah, staying top of mind is really. Uh, I think that is your core business. <laughs> well, staying top of mind is now everybody's business because there's so many distractions, and it's really, really important to you know to 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 push out the important messages. If you're sharing the right vibes and you're sharing the right messages, I think it's important to keep them, you know, to keep them coming. So thank you very much, guys, for being with us. And don't forget to subscribe to Ashley Talks podcast. We are on iTunes and we are also on all other podcast sharing platforms. So click that subscribe button, share it out throughout your LinkedIn and other social networks. And stay tuned for more fantastic guests from across Asia to come and talk about us. Uh, and them and technology and social media and personal branding and all the exciting things. See you soon and bye. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show.